Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya. Dr. Smith, how are you? I'm good. We're back. We are back again with our, we have another guest. Yes, we do. Another guest. And this is one of our uh, Artists on the Rise features. You guys know we've got these little themes going on (laughs) this season. So I'm excited because uh, this artist, as people will see, is like family to me. Y'all, y'all know we bring in family. We bring mm-hmm. in, yes, and we got That's some right. good family, some really great family. But before we do that, before we bring him in the room, um, well, what's our music tip? Well, uh, jumping off what we talked about in our previous uh, podcast, you were mentioning you wanted to do charts on oh. your own. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, the main software that people use is Sibelius uh, to, to write charts and Finale is another one. Uh, it may uh, take a little learning curve um, to, to learn those. And it could be, you know, pricey to some degree. But there's a free one online that I basically used and for my students this semester, which is Muse Score. M-U-S-E and S-C-O-R-E, Muse Score. And it's uh, online um, software and it's free. So you can use it and score your music. So write your own arrangements. Come on. I'm big on free. (laughs) Free and your students are happy. Because then you you didn't have it like that when you were in school. You had literally sit down. Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, it's during the pandemic, we don't, they're not, don't have access to the lab and we got everything in the lab. You know, we got Pro Tools, you know, Logic, Reason and Sibelius and all of that on the computers, but they don't have it. So um, I had to find some other options for them. And that's, that's one of the ones that we use. That's awesome. I, and I mentioned this in the last podcast that, you know, this can be a side gig. Right. Um, that you could be offering um, as you would be the person being responsible for charting people's stuff. And quite frankly, you should not have any song ever out <laughs> without a chart. Every song should have a chart to it. So, um, yeah. All right. I love it. Thank you for following up as <laughs> I requested. Welcome. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team 
not one, not two, but seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. and includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to banzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days and be sure to use our promo code MAKINGMONEYPOD to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, MAKINGMONEYPOD to get 15% off the first year. All right, on to our guest. So as I mentioned uh, before, we're you know doing this series where we're bringing in artists on the rise, artists who are grinding and, and developing and, and creating, um, but maybe not everybody knows them yet, um, but they're on a, on a pathway. And so um, our artist this week uh, is Mr. Ashley. I almost want to sing because he's sing- sing <laughs> Ashley Scott. He's an amazing um, musician. I'm going to say musician, not just uh, artist and and fellow HU fellow HU. Oh, you know, that you know. <laughs> come on now. So but you also got to add in fellow HGC. Fellow HGC. HGC. You know, you got to do <laughs> yeah. all the all that stuff. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. How are you? I'm glad to be here with you guys, finally. So, yeah. I've watched all these episodes. I'm like, I'm going to get on there one day, and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, manifestation is yeah, that's what on. it's all about. That's what, we yep. go there, so get ready. But yeah, so if you could just share with our audience, um, you know, let them know, yes, what it is you do as an artist. And this is a big question, but we always want to hear the story. And, you know, what brought you to music? How did you get into music? How much time do we have? I know. We don't have much time. I know. I'm going to try to give you the condensed version. (laughs) Um, So my name is Ashley Scott from Philadelphia, a very soulful town known for its rich R&B history. And, um, you know, I'm a graduate of Howard University, as Kenya said, was a member of the Howard Gospel Choir as well. Got my degree in music from there. Uh, I've released so far about three singles to date. My next one comes out in the year of 2021 on April 23rd. So I'm excited about that. I have my own label, Soulful Sounds International Records. Um, and musically, I have recorded background vocals for people like Will Downing uh, on some of his latest projects. Um, I've also done some work with an indie artist like Shavu out of mm. Philadelphia from back in 2006. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done some live things with Gene Karn and actually Will Downing as well. So, nice. you know, I, I'm, I've been around for a little bit, you know. But what bit. brought me to music, I would say, I was, again, being from Philadelphia, I was blessed to have family that was already in the business. And through that family, I also knew that this was a business and not just about performance, but... My dad's sister, when she was 15 years old, she joined a female singing group back in 1963. And that group is still performing till this very day. So they're the longest running female vocal trio in music history. They're called the Three Degrees, and they're known for the song When Will I See You Again, as well as the song TSOP, which is the theme song to the TV show Soul Train. So. Oh, yeah, so that's, that's just a going, small, just a little small little thing, but okay. <laughs> but you know, um, being a kid in in the family, you know, when, when parents go see other siblings and stuff, and they just put the kids 
in a room to watch TV, I was watching one of her performances from 1979 at the Royal Albert Hall in London. And that concert was a made-for-TV special for the BBC at that time. And they were backed by a 100-piece Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. So mm-hmm. seeing that show and just every aspect of it, the, the lighting, the, the production, their you know, performance as a whole, their harmonies, their music, the arrangement, just said, I just said, I want to do this. And that was my inspiration, and that was the bug that bit me. And my mom also grew up with the Delphonics in Philadelphia, so they're like extended uncles to me. And, sure. you know, both groups have a rich history, you know. Um, they're still active today performing, um, you know, and they've had their, you know, things that some people know and some don't. But in terms of you can go look at the Delphonics unsung to kind of see that the, the, the litigation and things that they went through internally with, as a group and the things that they still deal with now with, you know, group imp- impersonators and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. that's how I knew that this was a business. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, I teach this in my class. I teach the whole Philadelphia Inter- International Records uh, story. And um, I got a black contemporary music class and we talk about Gamble and Huff and, and the development of uh, of the label and uh yeah that the sound of philadelphia that uh that's that's amazing that, that you got that 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 lineage man and it's uh i, I know uh, a lot of it's rubbed off like you just said about the business concepts um and how because they they ran uh pir as a as a business and they they built it off of the uh, motown it was a motown concept yeah but uh but yeah that's 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 definitely the uh, the approach that a lot of um, people were trying to aspire to and, and gambling Huff got it down. Um, and, you know, we had um, uh, Cynthia Biggs L on the show and she wrote right. the, the song for Patty um, and a bunch of other, other pieces. Yeah. Nice um, reach up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, she gave some inside stories. So it, was, it was great to have some of those things, but um, Kit, do you, do, does your family talk about some of the stories of, uh, of the label that you can remember? Not so well, so coincidentally about my aunt, she was actually took a break during that time that they were signed to PIR, but she signed she was in the group when they first started when they were 15 years old. So they were gotcha. they first started on a label called Swan Records in Philadelphia. And right. It was owned by Dick Clark. Yeah. And it was actually the first label that the Beatles signed to when they came to America. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they the three degrees recorded about maybe 19 singles or 45 records for Swan. And she's on about 15 to 17 of them. And when they were on Swan, they worked with a very young piano player from Camden, New Jersey named Leon Huff, who was their first arranger before he met Kenny Gamble. So she came back to the group in 1976 and it was right after they that was right after the group left Philly International. They were still signed to uh, to Columbia or Epic or Sony, if you will, at that time. And uh, after they she did one album with them, you know, when when she first came back. But then they signed to another label called Ariola and they had another run of hits with Giorgio Moroder, who produced all the hit songs for Donna Summer. So he kind of gave them that Euro disco feel. So right, go think, right. you know, hot stuff, bad girls, that type of thing. And they had four top 10 hits with him over two albums between 78 and 80. And um, 
during that time, they met Prince Charles and Prince Charles declared them as his favorite singing group. Wow. So, so their nickname in the British press was Charlie's Angels. Oh, that's and oh, that's awesome. And every gotcha. article in the gotcha. always started off Prince Charles's favorite pop group. The Three Degrees are appearing here or, or are appearing there, or they have a new record coming out. And so they performed at Buckingham Palace for his thirtieth birthday party in 1978, and they were the only Americans, other than President Reagan's wife Nancy, to attend. The royal wedding of Prince Charles and Princess wow. Diana. Wow! Wow! That's some <laughs> that's phenomenal history. history. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to you have to have her on the podcast. Oh, I was God. about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She wow. can be a future guest. Yeah. So they never stopped working. The group has performed everywhere in the world. Somewhere, I would say, somewhere in the world, every year since 1963, which is giving them the title of the longest running female vocal trio. Mm. in music mm. history wow so, wow that's that's some history man that's that, yeah. that's like serious mm. yeah and yeah they were i mean they had a, a great sound you know they didn't have the hits that you know over here stateside um they were taught by their real quick on them their ex-manager was a guy named richard barrett and he was the guy that discovered Frankie Lyman in the teenager. So if you mm-hmm. saw the Why Do Fools Fall in Love movie, mm-hmm. Ben Vereen played Richard Barrett. And mm-hmm. he also, so Richard had a a, a, um, a group in the 50s called The Valentines, and he recorded mm-hmm. with them. But he also wrote a song called Maybe for the Chantels in the 1950s. And so Maybe was considered a rock and roll classic, and the Chantels were the model girl group that everybody followed. So the Supremes... I mean, everybody followed after them. So when he got with them, you know, he taught them, he taught my aunt to be a performing act. And he said, if you can entertain an audience, you can work for the rest of your life. And the hit record is just icing on the cake to create more work. Right. So, right. And yeah, he, we're, yeah. We're, I'm going to have to have to have you talk to my, my class because we have a, a section on <laughs> doo-wop. And it seems let's, like you, let's, let's do that. You, let's you're do the, that. Uh, the the authority on that information. So, and I'm but, developing my own class, so I, I definitely oh, want to talk to you about bringing that to to Boogie or in, in see how yeah. I can also yeah. get it at Howard. So it's called the Soulful Sound Series. When wow. I'm developing that, and that's what my podcast is, as well as okay. the the radio show that's coming out soon within between wow. February and March. So I'm going to listen to that for sure. Yes. Well, yes. this is this. Is, so see, see, artists on the rise, artists on the rise, yeah. and historian. I mean, you need to be putting um, some kind of label on yourself in terms of uh, that. I mean, that was it's, just a really rich amount of history um, that I think people. Coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's. Okay. So let's. <laughs> we got all like. Let's get back to Ashley. So yes, you went to Howard. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you kind of how you've prepared. I mean, you've got this family history, obviously, that's very dynamic. And I don't know if that can be intimidating even at times, but um, what, what did you, having that history when you got to Howard and stuff, what was your kind of original goal? Has it always been, I'm just going to go straight for artists or what, how did you kind of navigate and decide this is the lane or maybe you didn't. What, what was going on then? You know, I have to, looking back, I just knew that I always wanted to sing. Um, that was the main thing. You know, I mean, seeing the Three Degrees and the Delphonics, of course, I wanted my own trio male group to kind of, <laughs> you know, I just like the look of it, you know, but groups are hard. I mean, you know, having 
with those groups having been together so long and have, you know, a revolving door of members at times, um, you know, it's, I know that it's not easy. And so I had to learn that the hard way after college when I tried to do the group thing. Um, but going into Howard, you know, um, it was just an amazing experience. Um, going there and becoming a member of the Howard Gospel Choir, as you know, Kenya, that just gave us, and I'll say us because you're included in that legacy, it gave us a discipline of and, and appreciation for just being a vocalist as a whole, you know, mm-hmm. learning under Paul Gatling and, you know, later Mark Williams and David Dupree, mm-hmm. um, you know, just that history of music, you know, just another genre for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into the jazz department and for me, learning under Grady Tate, who was the most recorded jazz drummer ever, but could sing the the, the telephone book. And, <laughs> and, you know, he just knew every jazz tune and could scat with the best of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And also learning under Webster Lewis, who was a dynamic, um, you know, arranger and keyboardist. And it was funny, Webster had four albums on Sony back in the day, but we were like, did you produce any hits? Or, you know, who have you worked with? He said, I so conduct for Barry White's orchestra. And we were like, oh, wow, <laughs> you, you conducted Love Unlimited. He said, yeah, and I wrote this song. You know, I'm telling my age a little bit, but this was in the 90s. So he said, mm-hmm. yeah, I wrote this song. And, you know, those two girls that you guys listened to, they, they sampled it. We we're like, who? He goes, I can't remember their name. He said, what? So he started playing a song. Do, 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 do. He ended up writing Michael Wyckoff's hey, Here's Looking Up to You. Which was sampled by mm-hmm. Jean for Hey Mister. I was D. gonna that. say Jean mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, just all of that being poured into one person, and then having family history, you know, in there, it was just a whole lot. So it 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 all it also rubbed off on me musically as well, because now my creative approach is a traditional approach where I use live instrumentation on my music. Um, I have to have strings in there. I have to have horns if needed, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, the, and the music has to be as authentic and as live as possible. I'm not nothing against programming or sounds. I mean, I love the Fender Road sound as a keyboard because that it gives you a warm feeling for the song. But again, going back to me being three years old, watching that tape of the three degrees at the Royal Albert Hall, my dream is to perform my music with an orchestra. So I want it to be as authentic and musical as possible to be able to be charted out for that many people to read. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. want to depend on a certain sound from a certain technological keyboard from a certain time period that might be outdated at times to get and hard to replicate in in future sounds. So that's just how I choose my creative approach. Man, uh, I don't. I don't know if you know, but I was also in HGC too, so I know the. Uh, he the he part. left before. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. He left before <laughs> we were. I was trying to figure it out because Will's like, I don't think I remember him. I was like, No, Ashley's a little younger than us. Yes, we are the old heads, right, um, right. up in here. But yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I also got my own Grady Tate story because. Uh, oh wow! Okay. I, I I thought I was trying to be all cool and and big, and I was picking him up from the train station. Cause he was going to teach a class at Howard and I, I told him, uh, I think he called the office or something. And I told, um, uh, Irby or somebody that I was going to go down and pick him <laughs> up. So they were like, cool. Okay. Well, they said, uh, Will's going to go down and pick you up. So I went down there, got him up and we were, I forgot what street we were on. My car broke down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. 
And I was like, man, I'm sorry, Mr. Tate. I'm sorry. And so he had to get a cab back to the university and I'm stuck there trying to figure out my car situation. Oh but my that gosh. was, that's hilarious, man. Um, but yeah, great. Grady is a master, man. He's, uh, I mean, he, he's the one that, that taught me the importance of lyrics right. and to really know what you're singing. I mean, one day I went into, Grady used to cuss us out, you know, in the private, <laughs> in the private lessons. So, you know, it was like, I went in there one day, I knew the song, I was like, when I fall in love, it'll be forever. He goes, okay, man. He goes, have you ever effing been in love, man? He said, look at this stuff here on the paper, man. You got to feel this stuff, man. I'm saying stuff to, you know, not say other words that he was saying to me at the time. Of course. You know, but he goes, come on, man. Hit it from the top again, man. You know, so it was, you know, but. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah, he was a great dude. He was a great guy. Yeah, and, I mean, I just consider myself lucky to to learn from such a legend. Yep, mm-hmm. most definitely. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, but um, so so Kenya brought you up to this point. Yeah, you're you're developing at Howard. You're getting your your skills together, and you made your decision. And um, and I think similarly, I had um, uh, when I heard uh, Duke Ellington's 70th birthday concert and satin doll uh just a big band sound and then you heard uh while bill davis came in on organ i was just completely blown away and that you could have that much uh sonority going on it's a big sound and i think a similar situation with you i got bit by the bug Uh, i was like this is what i want to do that's that's i'm going to learn how to do that and um yeah so so when you're developing your craft and you left school and you're you're trying to look for the opportunities. Uh, what was the first big uh, break in for for you that you feel that that sort of gave you the the confidence to know, yeah, okay, I'm on the path, I can do this thing. Well, actually, life took a different turn a little bit in college because my summer times were spent here in Philadelphia learning the business or a certain aspect of the business. So I ended up working here in Philadelphia at an amphitheater that's almost like the Carter Baron that has a rich summer concert series. And through there, I learned how to run a venue, contracts, um, production, you know, production times, and and just, you know, learning that aspect of the business and promotion and and concert promotion as a whole. And so that became a good portion of my life every summer in college and then for a little bit afterwards. Um, I, I came home wanting to work with producers. Again, we tried the group thing and, and that just didn't work out. Um, and so after trying the group thing for a while, that's when my creativity became came out a lot more because I started writing my own songs and things of that na- nature. Um, it was a little tough at that time because you're talking the whole neo-soul movement was happening here, you know, and that wasn't necessarily my sound because um, I don't really have that hip hop edge or flow to to my music I'm, I'm a little bit more traditional um and the music i love was you know way before my time i mm-hmm. i came up in the 90s and in in the 2000s and i love what was you know going current at the time but it just wasn't what i you know i just didn't fit that mold um mm-hmm. and so you kind of i'm just being transparent you just you know juggle where do you fit in in this current state you know mm-hmm. and yeah, the internet was 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 prevalent, you know. Um, 
streaming was coming out, you know, at least illegal streaming with Napster and things of that <laughs> nature. Yeah. But it's just like, where do you fit in, in this industry? You know, make people were still pursuing major deals. People were independent, but it wasn't as preached as it was as it is now, or at least up until like five or six years ago, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So I, I struggle with that. So I was, you know, recording material and I had about five songs and I was ready to put out an EP and just come to find out a few other mentors were like, this could use a little bit more work. And that just got me a little bit more depressed. So I was always performing mm-hmm. here on the private affairs scene, or if you want to jokingly call me the wedding singer, you know, I was <laughs> I was doing the wedding band thing for a while. So I was always performing, but the recording aspect took a little while. It wasn't until about five years ago to where I said, you know what, people are putting out far less quality than I would and going viral and becoming famous. So you know, somebody in the world is going to like my stuff. And I put out my first single words in 2016 and uh, through my production company at the time. Um, and uh, it did pretty well overseas. I got it on the Luxury Soul uh, 2017. No, yeah, 2017 compilation. And uh, I recorded another song. I actually took some guys in the studio to recut all those old demos that I did years ago with a live band. So that's what I'm in the process of working on. And releasing now because at least half the stuff is done. I just got to add vocals to it and, you know, other arrangements. But I released a song in 2020 called Dance the Night Away that was actually co-written by Will Downing and myself. And it made it to the top 10 on the UK soul chart. So last year, you know, at the start of last year, right before this pandemic hit, you know, (laughs) I was doing all right. And then we couldn't perform anymore. And all my wedding gigs last year got canceled. Mm -hmm. And but I was riding high for a little bit, you know. I put out a dance remix for it in June, and some people liked it, and got some airplay on some internet stations in Italy. Okay. And you know, so that's been part of the journey. But I would say, coming out of college, I got shifted more to the business side and became known more so on that side of the fence than the creative. But so you know, I had to kind of go through some stuff to kind of get to where you are now. Awesome. Awesome. It's so good to hear these stories because, you know, people I know just have, and, and just fans have this idea that as artists, you just, you know, it's just this straight shot <laughs> or you're just constantly working on the song or whatever, no. but there's just so many twists and turns, but ultimately all those skills, all those relationships, they come together yeah. so that, you know, yeah. yeah. I'd love for you to share. You've mentioned the name Will Downing several times. You've kind of thrown that name. That's just one of all these soul R&Bs, like top male, you know, legendary, iconic artists. You know, we've had the honor of having him on our podcast, yeah. um, which through your connection and our relationship. So thank you, you know, again no and again for that. But how did, I mean, again, we, we all put in some perspective. How did you and how has that relation, how was that established and... Um, how has that, I think, impacted you, um, you know, as an artist, that relationship? What can I say? It actually goes back to Howard University and, (laughs) and Webster Lewis at the time he had, our class was the jazz vocal workshop class. And Webster was one of the only Webster and Grady were, were, were one of the few of the only staff members that had a lot of industry experience and more commercial experience. Um, and so Webster brought two people to the to the music department to lecture to us on the entertainment industry overall. One was a guy named Bob Pittman, who was the former 
who was the founder of um, MTV, but later at that time was CEO of AOL <laughs> and Time oh, Warner. Wow. And, and he brought Will Downing and to, to the school. And at that time, Webster had did some string arrangements on Will Downing's Invitation Only album on his uh, interpretation of the Phyllis Hyman Spinner song, I Don't Want to Lose You. So that's where I met him, and he helped us uh, record some stuff for the Jazz Ensemble CDs about a year later. And I saw him once after college, and he remembered me and just kind of kept in touch here and there, you know. So and the, the relationship just grew. And so about maybe seven years ago, I was working with another jazz artist, and I was just checking in with him, and he's saying, yeah, I'm trying to do do this with my with my records and everything, and, you know, I need some help with this social media stuff, and I said, let me know what you need. And so I started working with him and it went from just doing his social to being his assistant. And I do a lot of internal things, you know, admin stuff for him as well as his social media. And uh, he always knew I sang because that's how he met me, you know. So Mm -hmm. uh, when he was recording his Black Pearls project in 2016, and I was already working with him, he said, hey, you want to you know, come up and do some recording. I said, of course, no problem. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, you don't have, you don't have to ask me twice. Right. But he goes, all right. He said, come on up tomorrow. I said, okay. And I knew what the project was. And for, for those that don't know, in 2016, he released a whole CD of interpretations by female artists, which is kind right. of what he's known to do. Right. So, you know, I said, all right, you need me to, uh, let, you want to tell me what the song is just so I can kind of get an idea beforehand? He goes, no, no, just come on up. I already know what, you want. I already know what I want you to do. You don't, need to, you don't need to listen to anything because I don't want you to get thrown off on arrangements or any, things of that nature. So went up and, you know, put the headphones on. He goes, all right, here's the song. And it was your smile. Oh, so, yeah. And, Coincidentally, that's another Howard alone with Miss Angela Wimbush right yeah, there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So look at this. I'm telling you, Howard just, just all real cheat yeah. to Howard. Yeah, <laughs> you're and right. So, so I uh, did that one, and then I did some background on his uh, gospel project in 2018 on a song called "Take It to the Cross," and I've been working with him. And I guess seeing him on the creative side and being, you know, kind of privy to that side of him and, and being, you know, a vocal, doing vocals on some of those records, I kind of saw how he works. And he's one of the hardest working men in the business. Um, he's he's definitely taught me how to be a visionary and mm-hmm. to kind of know what you want and to kind of take ownership of your brand and of your music. So he's, it's almost as if he's the producer of his own music. He can play a little bit, but he brings in the players to to get the results, and you know he he knows who he wants on on what track, and you know it's almost like, you know music is the art, so it's a it's almost like painting a picture. So he knows mm-hmm. who he wants to bring in every color to to make the painting, you know. So and in terms of recording and and songwriting, um, you know sometimes less is best, you know especially when making the chorus of a song. You know we hear all mm-hmm. these extravagant vocals and harmonies and stuff like that. And we want to throw all this stuff in. And he goes, no, man, you got to establish the song first. You know, you got to let it, let them sing it through and, you know, do some stuff later in the song. So, you know, that's kind of what I've learned from him on the musical side. Awesome. Awesome. 
yeah um that's those are all that's all good tips for folks and and it's beautiful to see how you developed um from from getting the family poured into by the family and then being at the illustrious Howard University. <laughs> yes, and yes. Because we're, we're presidential people right now. <laughs> and I, this is all, we all, this is, this is, listen. If we're going to be insufferable for the next four I years. Say, I know yeah. we were already, all my friends were already on, you know, in the suffer, in the suffer space. So I'm, I'm attempting to stay, you know, humble and modest, you yeah, know, but in the we're, mix. We're, we are a presidential people now. I just right. slightly put on my Howard, you know, shirt every day. You know, just that's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, school school pride is at all time high. Thanks to our yeah. vice president. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, it is. It is. But yeah, um, yeah look, looking to uh, to the next few years in in terms of your career and what what you're working on now, what you're you're projecting your your trajectory is. Um, what what are your your hopes for after COVID and and what you're trying to do uh, musically and try to put out what projects you're trying to put out and performances that you're hoping to have. So for 2021, I'm planning at least three singles, three Great. singles to release this year. The first one will be April 23rd. Um, I'm predicting hopefully a summer and a fall, you know, mm-hmm. before, you know, Christmas time, because as Kenya says, we don't want to you know, be in cahoots with the Christmas folks on the charts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, so I have two mid tempos. Uh, one is a, and the third one is a ballad that I'm really excited about. Um, it's a wedding song, and mm. so it's very Philadelphia. You know what I mean? I, I did, you know, get some live strings and horns on this one. Oh wow! Um, so, I mean, the horn section. There's some awesome musicians that you see with John Legend. Uh, mm-hmm. The string section was amazing. Uh, the 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 rhythm section was amazing. Co-written by my friend Stan Davis and I. So I'm excited about this wedding song coming out. Um, nice. you know, in terms of getting past COVID, which I, you know, can't wait till we get to that point, but I'm curious to see what that's going to be, honestly, um, because normal for what we knew to be may not be after that. Um, so I just want to get back to performing. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, I, I pray, I pray that, you know, these singles that I'm planning on releasing, do, you know, just build up my catalog a lot more and build up my presence to where I can start doing more international dates. Um, I, I extremely love the UK because they're such a supportive, you know, folks over there. And that I learned not just from my aunt, but also through Kenya, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so I have to give her kudos because she's also a huge inspiration in terms of this artistry. She may not even know that, but... Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, I, I, I've been studying her a little bit. So, you know, I, I've been studying Miss Kenya a lot for the past couple of years. And uh, certain things that I'm doing right now are moves that I saw her make that I said, okay, let me try this a little bit. So my next <laughs> single is all live instrumentation, um, but I'm targeting a specific genre, you know, not just the soul genre, but I'm definitely targeting the, the smooth jazz Nice crowd yes. a little bit on this next one. So, yeah. you know, it, it will be on radio airwaves, you know, in the U.S. as well as the U.K. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this next. Yeah, one it's April a goodie. 20th. I I got to hear the I don't know. I don't know if it was the master, but no, I think that was it was the final mix or the master. One of them, I think it might have been the final mix, but I get I get privileges. Yeah, no, I'm excited for you. I think that's awesome. And it's you know, we've been we've been attempting to bring in guests who 
are still working and showing that, you know, you can do yeah. this even during COVID that, you know, being a creative yeah. and being an artist is, is really, really important. So that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I've been, I've been very creative. I mean, like I said, I still have songs, those old demos that I was trying to get to, but like I just wrote this wedding song and right now I'm just about, you know, doing singles because I don't want songs to get lost on an album at this point. I yeah. want to make every song count and make every let every song be heard. So mm. I feel a big band song coming this year, if not mm. next year yeah. as well. Um, I'm just, I'm not afraid to try things at this point. So, Well, I'm really, I, we're going to be wrapping up here in a minute, but I'm really glad that you allowed yourself to be who you are musically. When you were talking about not being that neo soul flow or hip hop edge or whatever, um, and, you know, I know that's that's discouraging if that's the thing that is the thing, you know, right then mm. and there. But now look at the thing, you know, it's right. <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily the thing. And so it's really important to, you know, to find your lane and, and blossom in it, even if it's yeah. not the most popular or even if it can. And, and I don't even think that it's not. I think that it's just about figuring out that audience because music that you do has, and, and the UK has shown that, I think a lot of places um, abroad have shown that there is the audience and we get yeah. really confused and caught up in thinking that what we just see here in our little space of America or our little mainstream of five networks um, <laughs> as <laughs> on, that's five. music. And it's like, no, there's no. so, you know, music is just incredibly vast. So you know, I hope that the audience and the listeners, you know, if, if be inspired by that, whatever it is that is your that is your butter, that's where you're going to shine. That's, you know, that's Will called you for that backup because he needed that sound and he knew that about you. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to really hold on and have our integrity there. So. Definitely. definitely. Amen. What can yeah. you say? Amen, <laughs> Reverend Kenya. <laughs> no, I feel I said I might have to have a ministry in a minute. I mean, oh. if I had a keyboard, I would play a shout yeah. chord. Hey, oh, that's what I'm about to say. I hear it in the background already. Where's my piano? Anyway, get the washboard out. Oh wow. I can at least have a tambourine. I think, yeah, I think yeah. I should have, you know, I'm going to get a tambourine just to hold on the side for the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, well, this has been fantastic. And our interviews go so fast. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this goes by so fast. Um, we would love for you to, because you've got, like you said, you've got new music coming out this year. And we want to make sure that people are, you know, I'm going to include this in the show notes, but I think it's important to say it out loud where the website where they can um, find you and any social media handles where they can follow you. So my website is ashleyscottmusic.com. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Ashley Scott, the number three. So Ashley Scott three. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com. I am Ashley Scott for my fan page over there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys follow, like, listen, stream, buy all the goods. It's really, really important. Um, now that you have been a guest, you will be added to our 3MB artists or podcast artists uh, Spotify playlist. So oh, um, words, uh, yep, those songs, we, we add them on and we've got, we're getting more and more people listening. And, yeah, you. you know, I, if I have to say so myself, 
that playlist is the bomb. I'm like, we have had some amazing mm-hmm. artists up in here yep. because, you know, Will is on there. Yep. You'll be on there. It's just, yeah. just really fun. So make sure we include that as well in our in our show notes. So thank you. And I'm sending, you know, I'm here. I And I'm sending you always huge positive vibes. And yes. So keep thank moving. You. Keep love pushing. Yep. Yeah. Love, love you too. Well, yeah. Rooting for, for you too. Yeah, absolutely. We're presidential people. <laughs> How many times did we, say, we did at least five? At least five. Yeah. Okay. We have to keep them. We have to keep them on their toes. We have to keep them on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hilarious. That, that All was right. great. Well, we had another great episode, Kenya. Well, we just and 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 it will continue. It yeah. will continue. Yeah, We're continuing continue. to bring really special guests on, and and you'll hear just from Will and I too. We got our little. We got to do our special topics. Those will be coming up as well. So, all right, you guys, stay tuned. Make sure you're liking us, subscribing, downloading, all the goods. All the above. And we will see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.